there is power in observing this micro shift in travel behavior because you can tweak your strategy before it has even begun to unfold. And when it does, you can hit the ground running. We are going to dive deep into the difference between an ideal customer and an actual customer for the tourism industry today and why that difference might just be what you need to know to save you big budget dollars on your next marketing strategy. Welcome to Truth Behind Travel Podcast. My name is Dolores Semeraro, and this is my weekly show dedicated to hospitality and tourism professionals who want to restart the tourism and the travel industry with traveler-centric tools and insights and jump-starting their travel recovery journey starting today. Subscribe to the show to be the first to know when the next episode, full of tips, tools, and strategies on travel recovery, goes out. The never-ending question of who is your ideal customer? It's usually at the beginning of any tourism marketing bubble. But taking the time to observe who is your actual customer instead can potentially save you from making the wrong marketing budget assumptions next year. What if, in the tourism industry, the ideal customer has become a sort of a myth in a post-COVID world? Think about it. Your most desired hotel guest has changed. Your returning travel agency client is booking elsewhere. Your loyal airline passenger is driving a car instead. They're all supposed to be aligned with your brand values, style, service standards, tone of voice. But what if we look into his actually staying in your hotels, buying your tickets, booking your holiday packages, and discover why they don't resemble your ideal client anymore? By speaking of diving deep, let me tell you a story. During my days as marketing and PR manager in hospitality industry, this was the time of the year where we'd usually look back at the past months and summarize the work done, the achievement, what went well and what didn't go so well instead. So we would look at what event, you know, what kind of event or campaign generated more revenue or engagement, so to speak now, what worked well and what we could foresee to be just as successful for the year to come. Well, a few years back, I mean quite a few, when I was working in the beautiful Maldives, I was an event and PR manager at the time. So no need to describe the Maldives here, through paradise, above and below the water. So who doesn't love some pampering time in a beautiful on a beautiful tropical island? Well, at least for a few days before boredom kicks in for for some. Well, heading to the sea, snorkeling, diving. So what? this is the story. Get to the point, Dolores. Yes. While I was assessing what kind of event would bring more people to an island uh, resort that wouldn't involve the usual, you know, sun, sands, and loads of great food combination, I suggested... um, Oh, did I? I suggested it. Not sure. I think it was a teamwork. But why not creating a whole festival 
dedicated to the underwater world of the Maldives. A whole week dedicated to scuba diving, free diving, snorkeling, holding your breath, understanding how holding breath works and yoga, plus evening talks and workshops, not with just anybody, but with the likes of free diving world champions, National Geographic underwater photographers and yoga masters, kundalini experts and so on. Well, this was the recipe of the underwater festival of the resort. And let me tell you, the budget that we put to it was not little. Flying everybody in, providing accommodations for all, meal plans, meaning probably, I think it was all inclusive, but yeah, the whole thing. The boats for diving, the gears, the entertainment. I mean, you get the picture. It wasn't cheap. So this is the underwater festival, the event that we kind of mastered it at the resort where I was working, thinking that it would fit the need of our ideal guest. Was it successful? Yes. How so? Well, there were great PR stories. And this was a time where social media wasn't quite the buzz that it is today. That was that long ago. Great press coverage. Social media was okay. It wasn't quite the hype that is today, but it was what it was at that time. And yeah, there is a but. Then you know, you know, there was a but coming. Only a few dedicated and passionate guests actually joined the underwater festival and all the activities, which I spent hours planning carefully to the minute. I wanted it to be perfect. Only a few bookings actually came in because of the festival. It was widely appreciated. The press covered it. The media, the local authorities, everybody loved it. It became an iconic event. Nobody had invited world champion freediving athletes to the island before. But for some reason, all that hype did not speak to the actual guests of the resort. So let's 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 come back to today's world and fast forward uh, 10 plus years and well I look back and that's why I was thinking about today's episode and the difference between an ideal customer and the actual customers of today's hospitality world for example. A tropical island resort located just at the core of a world-class diving destination that is known well-known worldwide, such as the Maldives. With plenty to discover just below the surface. So one would have thought, okay, my ideal client is uh, to, to, to this kind of place, is a, is a person that loves diving, snorkeling, I mean, being in the water altogether. But the truth was, we would expect the guests to jump right into such activities, when instead... All they wanted to do was to snooze at the beach and delight themselves with great food and drinks. We expected the guests to jump in. I I mean, at least I did. Building a whole event around the projection of an expectation. It's like building on sand. The projection, it's like the building. 
We see it clearly. We know what it is. We think it can't fail. But the expectation is like the sand. It seems solid at first, but crumbles down very quickly when things start to move. I learned my lesson there. The ideal client, I thought, wouldn't miss this kind of event for the world and would book a room right away, was very different from the actual client of the resort that instead preferred to enjoy a relaxing beach time. This is the concept of ideal versus actual. Now, let's fast forward into a pandemic era of travel expectations. And the example of the underwater festival came back to my mind recently when I was discussing these travel behavior trends that we foresee for 2022. The report I shared recently on my channels, which you can still download if you want, the link is in the show notes, touched on three key segments for travelers and their behavioral changes when it comes to traveling again. Number one, the need to find others. Number two, the need to find ourselves. And last but not least, the need to find a purpose. So, need to find others, need to find ourselves, need to find a purpose. The report that I shared, which you find the link in the show notes, shows you just how travel behavior changes are going to be the trends of 2022 and how if we know them ahead of time, we can adjust our travel strategies, travel and tourism marketing strategies, and kind of meet the needs of today's travelers right away. That's why looking closely into what is ahead of the travel industry starts by looking at what is happening right now. And right now, people's priority are being tested, reshuffled, reorganized, and they're all based on a set of fears that is dictating the way they plan ahead. I shared the travel behavior trend report with you. Because if we don't acknowledge the change that has happened in travel priorities and the fears that are affecting these travel choices, we're going to miss out and we're going to plan our budgets based on who we expect to travel to our destinations, to our hotels, to our, into, you know, booking our tours and our activities. And we're not going to see who is actually traveling instead. Back to my point of projecting our expectations. The projection is what we think will happen. The expectation is what we want to happen, but then it doesn't. So on my blog, I shared an article not long ago, just about how powerful it is to acknowledge the fear of travel today. And what are the benefits derived from it? The four segments affected by the fear of travel today are Health, relationships, finances, and safety. And how does this impact the conversation we're having today? What, how does that fit into the ideal versus actual customer? So this is how we put it together. Traditionally, a family-friendly hotel has all that is needed for a family holiday, for family Smith, and so, so that they can have a great time together. There's a fantastic kids club for the kids with plenty of activities, kids meals all around and at kids friendly eating time. But you know, when you have kids and you want to feed them early, but the buffet only opens at 7 p.m., you know, you, you, you remember that? Okay, great. Or for example, spacious rooms where even if you have to add an extra bed, it doesn't cram 
the villa or the the room that you're staying in so you don't feel like you're camping but you're actually feeling like you're in a hotel holiday so if your ideal client is let's say the family smith that you are targeting exactly with this kind of product let's take a step back and notice what has changed for family smith to travel you know in the family travel sphere before you target them again like you used to I want to go back to the fourth segment I mentioned earlier, that health, relationship, finances, and safety. And with that in mind, look into how family travel, in this instance, for example, for Family Smith, has changed so that we can adjust what a family travel ideally look like to what actually look like. Let's get started. Number one, health. Protecting the health of the ones we love has become paramount. No doubt about that. Particularly these past two years. But taking care of someone's health has evolved to a whole different level today. Just imagine how much more literated we have become, how the enormous amount of information that we have processed and learned and, and, and sort of taken in over the past few months, making them extremely knowledgeable about what is or isn't good for them, for their physical or mental well-being. For, for example, so they know what they want and what they don't want to eat. And they will ask for it when sitting at the restaurant of your hotel. So in regards to, you know, taking care of their diet, of their immune system, their allergies and all the things that can help them be stronger at the time where, you know, being immune system wise, the stronger it is, it's it's in high demand and everybody wants it. So back to the, you know, the Smith family. So the Smith family, they know what they want to eat. They know what's good to eat for their kids, what what, what what they're supposed to eat themselves. They also know from a mental well-being perspective, you know, they've been, it's been a difficult time. So they know what they want and what they don't want to talk about. They will mention it when your next guest relations officer so-and-so approaches them for a welcome chat. So you'll say, don't ask me this, don't ask me, I don't want to talk about this, I don't want to talk about that. So the ideal family Smith indulges. The actual family Smith demands to know how the food is being prepared. What are the alternatives? Perhaps they're raising their kids with a vegan diet already. Anything can happen. And when it comes to their mental health, the ideal family, let's say, gets lazy and wants to relax and unwind. But the actual family now more than ever feels that life is short and precious. So packs up all the possible activities and does as much as possible to make it worth a while. Number two, relationships. Let's go back to our ideal family. Let's call it this, this avatar. Let's call it like that. A family of three or four with those standards, 15 days holiday time allocated per year. Now, fast forward 20 plus months of pandemic where people were separated, were away from their most direct relatives, like their parents for the adults or the grandparents for the children. As travel rebounds, the actual family is instead a group of six 
or let's say six to eight persons, meaning the extended family, now traveling together to make up for the time they spent apart. So the, the Smith family, instead of traveling just with their one or two kids, they now travel with the grandparents, with the uncle, with the auntie, with the best friends of the same, the same group. So expect this relationship feeling, this having them to be spending time together differently. Instead of just taking that family holiday, it's certainly, you know, suddenly now family becomes a much larger concept and it applies to many more people. So they want to make up for the time they spent apart and they travel together. Number three, finances. Well, we all looked at the past few months and uh, we looked into our finances and whether you travel or not, some of us saved a lot, some of us lost a lot. But there is one thing that remains in common for all, and that is the perception of money well spent. Why? With a whole different outlook on life and what to do with it now, money becomes the vehicle for people to buy more time. Time together, time on holidays, time alive. So the ideal family would most traditionally spend two weeks holidays abroad, let's say, and probably one week on a domestic or short haul. Now we see the actual family pushing it to three weeks, up to four weeks, all together abroad with the intention to make the most of it. So instead of traveling more often, they travel for longer periods because traveling is complicated. There is a lot of hassles related to it, a lot of travel protocols. So what we think an ideal family holiday length would be is actually a much longer holiday instead. Number four, safety. Well, this is not an easy topic to cover when it comes to travel and tourism. We all want our destinations to be perceived as of the utmost safety for travelers. Absolutely. But the truth is, we're all coming out of a deep crisis across all jobs, all industries. Many jobs were lost. And more unemployment means more chances of an unsafe environment when guests venture outside the hotels. So the ideal family would blissfully plan their itinerary across the destination with a lot of things to do and a lot of places to go. But the actual family is painfully aware of the reality of things today. They know it, they see it online, they see it in the news, they read about it, and they would restrain from booking outside activities unless they come across as completely safe. So let's take a moment to take it all in. Health, relationships, finances, and safety. These four segments are now part of a whole new tourism outlook and are making a huge difference for actual travelers. Basically, fill in the gap between the ideal and the actual traveler ID of today. If we can picture one. 
You can read more about these four segments and the impact they have on today's tourism recovery is on my blog, on my website. As always, you'll find the link in the, of the blog on the show notes. And for this piece of article specifically, I do recommend you head over to the blog. Not just because it will make me very happy to see you there, but because every month I curate a key tourism marketing topic for my readers and I go deep into what digital marketing done well can do for tourism and travel recovery. Now, imagine you're laying out your next tourism strategy uh, in sales and marketing with all the perks directed to your ideal customer, your tours, your packages, your services. Okay, now rewind this podcast and take a second listen to today's episode. Go on, visit my blog to know more about the four segments of the travel change, then come back to me and tell me, does anything look different? I certainly hope it does. And for more intel on these changes, go on and download that behavior trends report that I prepared for you. The main link is in the show notes. There is power in observing this micro shift in travel behavior because you can tweak your strategy before it has even begun to unfold. And when it does, you can hit the ground running. So the trend report link is in the show notes. Can't miss it. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast. This is a very special time of the year. And perhaps a little bit more special than last year because many more people get to see their family and friends this year compared to last. I wish you a wonderful, healthy and bright Christmas if you're celebrating, of course. If you feel that today's episode brought you value and you would like to hear more, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on any of your preferred podcast platforms. Um, if you are on Apple Podcasts, please do leave me a review. It's the best way to share the podcast, the best way to help others learn more, the best way of helping the industry recover faster because the episodes of the podcast get seen and shared by more and more people if you review it. If you have appreciated today's podcast, share this episode with your industry colleague or with a friend that needs to hear this and works in the, in the hotel and tourism industry. You can take a screenshot of the podcast, share it on your social media. You can tag Truth Behind Travel Podcast if you want. If you do, I will see it and I will share it. The best way to keep helping each other to get out of this industry mess is to share knowledge. Thank you and see you soon for another episode of Truth Behind Troll Podcast. Bye.